So what are we doing? Oh. We're waiting for Bill to pass some gas. Oh, cool. Make sure you record it. No. I need some new fart sounds for the show. Oh, well, you should have been here the other day. I think I was just <laughs> muting myself because I was... What, what do you mute for? Do this pile of dog shit. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Give something away with that with the art. Oh, so it's not just me this time then. Yeah, art sucks. The cover's good, but the rest I've, of it. Yeah. I've been trying to be upbeat, but at this point, this story has long jumped the shark for me. You know, it's 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 tough to bring the positivity with this because I'm just not. I'm just not feeling it. Well, you haven't exactly been overflowing with positivity. <laughs> let's let's be oh, fair. You should, should recorded with us the other night. Well, well yeah, I was just going to say it might help if you guys hadn't skipped me for like every other chapter of this damn thing, so I can't even keep up with it. No, skipped no, no, no. You. We no, we did a regular show the other night, but we did brand new books. Ah, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I read yeah. your. I read One your was book. only a day old, and another one was a month old. So what, what books did you cover? Marvel 2-in-1, uh, number one, the new reboot oh, of it. There, there's a new one? Yeah, there's yeah, two, two issues series. out so far. Is it, is it The Thing? Yeah, yes. So far, both issues are The Thing and The Torch. We, we, we are surmising, I think, pretty clearly that this is going to be the, uh, the tool which they're going to use to revive the Fantastic Four now. Hence the, the, like, the marquee at the top or whatever the banner line is, The Fate of the Four, part you know one. And then part two, so... so right, we did, we did that, and we did the most recent issue of Iron Man. Like 596, I believe. I think that was the cover price. <laughs> 596 cents. And we were... I was comparing them a little bit. Uh, the whole impetus for it was because we had just read... We've been reading this stuff, which is so dense, and then I read the Iron Man, and, you know... I'm not and, dense. And I'm like, damn, I got nothing to read. Went right through that book. That book went right through me. Right on through. That's how they do. So we gave one high marks and one poor marks, or average marks. Average. You're just average. Yeah. Well, it wasn't really the book's fault. Well, yeah. It wasn't it was. the book's fault. <laughs> it's not your fault, little book. Well, the one book was good, but the other one, I mean, it might have been us because we came in like part three or four of the middle of the storyline in the Iron Man book. So, and I didn't even know. Did did you know that Tony Stark was adopted? 
What? <laughs> That's why he should have been on the show. What? Yeah. yeah he was. Yeah. Like, all right. So who are his natural parents? Uh, a female shield agent, agent and a Hydra agent. And then the shield agent no, no, killed no. the Hydra agent. No, no, no. No, no because so, because the Starks ha- had a kid named Arno Stark. You remember that name, right? Yeah, he's Iron Man 2020. He's, yeah, but he was actually the real child. But he was created with the help of some type of uh, the Rigelians. And then he got sick, so they adopted a kid and made him, like, he kind of took over as the actual child. I, I, I haven't read it. And this that's sounds just like, craptastic. I am so glad I was not part of that episode. Well, I guess that's like a few years ago they did the secret origin of Tony Stark. Because there's this woman in the book. I'm like, who is this old woman? She's hanging around is with Mary Jane Watson. Or one of the covers was a, was a little baby. A baby with the Iron Holy Man helmet. Yeah. I guess that's where they started that, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So we're reading this book, and I'm like, who the hell is Amanda, whatever her name is? And so we looked it up. I'm like, oh, shit, Paul, this is Tony Stark's real mother. What? It's like, oh, yeah, what the hell? He's adopted? What the heck? Well, because that's what he's talking to Howard Stark, saying, why didn't you, in like a fever dream, he's like, why didn't you tell me that I was adopted? And I'm like, what? How is he so smart, then, if he's not not Howard's son? I don't know. I don't know. No, they just just happen to adopt a kid who's every bit as brilliant as Howard, and looks so much like him. Well, not anymore. Now, now he looks like uh... yeah. Now he's like completely shaved. He's got like no hair. He's all completely. He's like Mister Clean. So I don't know what's this going. Sounds on. like shit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. The whole thing stinks like yesterday's diapers. <laughs> don't like stinks don't like the high head. Stinks smells a kickback. Whatever. Alright, so should, should we get get rolling? Sure. Alright. We are doing Avengers 135, right? I hope so. Okay. Yeah. I didn't read it, but I read it a while ago. Yeah. I didn't so read it, but this, I read it. There's yeah. this, and then there's the the giant size, and then that we're done with this crap, right? Well, until we go on to the Kang Western saga. Well, see, I like that part of it. So Yeah, so this 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 ends technically the... Uh, the Moon Dragon, not Moon Dragon, the uh, Mantis uh, Celestial Madonna story, and then so, we can count the uh, Western one as a whole new story arc as for for purposes of the show. Right. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> him. 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 Shut up. Like a bridge <laughs> over troubled water, I will lay me down. Wow. Yeah, we won't get to hear that anymore because Paul. Uh, he's retiring. Yeah, he, Paul Simon's voice? not gonna. He's not gonna. He's not gonna tour anymore. Oh, you know, I just get a kick out. No, I, I like ago. I like Simon and Garfunkel a lot, but I get a kick out of the song "My Little Town." The two of them come from Queens. My little town, <laughs> my ass. I don't know that song. What's that song? You don't know the song My Little Town? You probably I, I do. Mean, you I, just how don't know In my little town, I grew up believing God keeps his eye on us all. Sound familiar? Nope. No, no. No. Not ringing a bell. Nope. Yeah. You could That's ring my bell would be Anita Baker. Ring my bell, <laughs> ring my bell. Oh, God, I hate that song. No, stop it. <laughs> Jeez. It gets so visceral sometimes, you know? 
That and um, what's what's the other one I did that like you freaked out that was uh, Tina Turner. Especially, especially. Any old music um, will do. What's sounds what's like the Captain Hepburn trying to sing? What's the one her, her movie where it was the title of the song too? Um, what's oh, what's love, love got, got to do? To do, do got to song. do with I it. Hate that song. <laughs> I thought you were gonna do uh, you know. Because uh, she did the one for uh, what was the song she did in the Road Warrior? Oh, was we on don't the need another hero. hero. Oh, yeah, I hate. She just—it's her voice. <laughs> she just. What uh, we want is life beyond the Thunderdome. Oh, please, please stop. <laughs> Two freaks enter. <laughs> one freak leaves. That's <laughs> it. Would be Chris Honeywell on uh, Scott's shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> No more methane! <laughs> Not around this house. Maybe Chris Tyler on... Uh, Nobody's shoulder. Put... <laughs> no, we could put him on my... my. Me and Chris could be ma- Master Blaster. Just blow a high-pitched dog whistle and I'll crumple to the ground. <laughs> anyway. Let me close out Facebook. Hello and welcome to Avengers Spotlight. We are... This is the penultimate, if I uh, believe I'm using that term correctly. Not the anti-penultimate. See, I've already screwed it up. Penelope Pit Stop. Penelope. It's the Penelope Pit Stop episode of Avengers Spotlight Celestial Madonna. As after this, there's only one more to go. And tonight we're covering Avengers 135. And I know you don't like to date these, Paul. The last night was the Super Bowl and we saw the, uh, did you see the trailer? Yeah, I'm going to just delete Four. this out. What? Oh, oh really? You're going to delete that out? Maybe. Okay. Well, did you watch the trailer for yes, Infinity War? Yes, I did. There was, was nothing in there that was new. Why, are you, yeah. why even bring it up? Man. Just to date so, the episode. Because so once specific. again, you missed a production meeting. And this time, <laughs> Scott brought donuts. But I didn't forget the gravy. Ba-dum-ba. Oh, man. Dipping donuts in gravy. That sounds interesting. Mmm. Mm. You ever sucked a jelly out of a jelly donut? <laughs> what, is it, what is he? What is he? Oh, and then they fill it with Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> Warm Reese's peanut butter cups. Mm, yummy. Anyway, get the honey, Bill. <laughs> Since you don't want to talk about the trailer, I know Scott didn't see it because he didn't watch. Uh, but he might have saw which, it on the internet. Which trailer? For there, there's a new trailer. Yeah, yeah, I watched it. What'd you say yeah. on the internet? Yes. With Spider-Man crawling up the uh, whatever, that thing, something. And, uh, yeah. You know the what? Donut of Doom. They're... Yes. Yeah, I did see that. The Donut of Doom. <laughs> but it was delicious. It had a blueberry filling. Um, now, the uh, uh, the only thing we got a glimpse of was Cap's shield slash gauntlet thing. Something. Yeah, I don't know what what's up with that. Yeah, he's That's kind of weird. Gonna have the there was a shield. shot. I was trying to capture a really good screen capture of it, but the because of the motion blur, I couldn't get a really good shot of it. But there, I like the the brief little part where uh, Doctor Strange was conjuring like a shield or something, and, and Iron, Man Iron Man just like it? swoops right in next to him. I love that shot. I love seeing them those two in the frame together because mm. I want to see what kind of dynamic that they have going on. Got two and, Sherlock and Holmes together. Exactly. I'm hoping at some point there's a no-shit Sherlock uh, joke there or something, <laughs> you know. 
between the I, two I of really them. I really want to see them bring Namor in and have Doctor Strange, the Hulk, and Namor together for at least a minute. That that would be awesome. Yeah, that would be very cool. I don't know. If, you know I mean, I gotta assume they have Namor's rights now. You know, we. we I don't know. Has that wondered. deal actually gone through yet? Isn't it still being processed, chewed over by the FCC or the SEC? I'm not sure which one. Well, what was Namor part of the the FF thing? Or we, we've speculated, but we don't know for sure. You know, we we've said on a few occasions remember... that we think he probably was with the Fantastic Four licensing. But if if he was, they're getting that back, and if he wasn't, then they have it anyway. Because I remember back in the day, in I think it was Comic Scene Magazine, would. I don't know if they did it every issue, but I know that they used to uh, have a section in there where they would give you up, you know, movie development update news on all these different characters. And I remember way back then, in in the nine, you know, like eight, like late eighties, early nineties, there being projects supposedly in development for like Namor and Black Panther, and you know, all these movie, you know, all these characters we're seeing now. And I, I, for some reason, I want to say Namor was universal, but I really can't remember. I mean, of course, that that is probably long over by now, even if it was them back then. Because I, I think, it doesn't it work something like if they don't develop it within a certain amount of time, the rights revert back or yeah. something like that? At yeah. least that's the way it's been with all the uh, contracts that we've had any exposure to. So I would imagine it was right. that, it was that way, and it's been since Comic Scene Magazine was out. I assume enough time has been for those rights to expire. Yeah, you would think so. There's there's really no reason why they couldn't develop a, a Defenders, at least a movie of some sort. There's so many, you know. Now that they have all these characters back, there's just so many combinations they could play with. Oh, absolutely. The, the biggest, I think the biggest thing is, you know, there's always the risk of overexposure. That it, it's just become, you know, there's so so many out there that it's they're going to stop being the blockbusters that they are because people are going to start picking and choosing more because there's so much to choose from. Well, that's mm-hmm. been kind of my problem with the last, I don't know how many, I, I couldn't put a number to it, but... That, that's kind of my problem with the the Marvel Cinematic Universe at the moment. I mean, don't get me wrong. I am loving these movies. I really am. I, I really have very few complaints. I, I, but I, I wouldn't even say so much my problem with it is my fear is that if they keep going with blockbuster syndrome for every single movie, that we will get that burnout. So I wish that they, at this point, they would just simmer down and make it almost like episodic movies, if you know what I mean, to where... You're, you're you're still putting out a solid project, you know, product, but every one of them doesn't have to be some giant world-ending threat. That you can just have a fun romp, you know, or, or a well, good adventure, you know, something solid, but it doesn't have to be the fate of the universe, you know, every single one. And and that's kind of what they've fallen into. I, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna respectfully yeah. disagree. I don't think Ant Man was that. Um. You know, I mean, they had I mean, some Thor, life and Thor death like stuff that, on Thor, for, but it was definitely a romp. So, you know, I, I think I, I don't I don't think they're always trying to top themselves as far as the threat, but I do think they set themselves up that they need like bigger and better box office with every movie, and that's where I think eventually it's going to bite them in the ass. Right. Mm, yeah. You know, it, it's you know, and, and I've I've never understood the logic. I understand that there's some sort of a financial model out there that that backs this up. But I've never understood the logic of 
why they can't make a smaller budget film with smaller expectations as far as the uh you know the the box office return that that you know that concept escapes me i'm not sure exactly why but uh, but there's been several people who've said no 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 that that won't work for them because of uh public relations money and advertising and whatever but it still seems to me like you know why can't you make instead of a you know five hundred million dollar movie why can't you make a hundred million dollar movie and see see where it goes you know and and you don't have to make as much money to to have it be profitable. I was reading about this at one point and uh, I forget exactly the the reasoning they laid out for it but supposedly going by Hollywood's model or some some brainiac's model that there's more risk in the mid you know, mid-level movie than there is with the giant block blockbuster or the small, you know, quiet little film. That it's that middle ground where where all the risk really is. Which so is okay, why... so maybe we should try for some quiet little movies then. And I'm not saying they should all be that, but maybe you know, maybe there should be one one of those a year. You know, just 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 a small modest project. The biggest key to me in these movies is just make sure you have a good script, and that's not where the where the lion's share of their budget is going. Right. So if if they make sure they have a good script and they they put something together that's really good, you could probably get away with doing something on you know a, a TV uh, type budget. And I'm not talking about a low level TV budget, like you know whatever they're spending per episode on Star Trek Discovery. The special effects on that are good. I assume it's not the same money they're paying on blockbuster movies though right so you know i don't see why they can't do it again i don't know what what the financial model is as far as uh you know what they have to pay out to the theaters and how that works because i do know i do know that with the theaters the way it works is that the initial take they get a higher share of than they do as the movie goes on then their percent right. their percentage starts to get lower, and the theater's percentage starts to get higher. That's why they focus so much on, uh, you know, opening box office. Right. But again, you know, I don't see why. Like, just say for example, a movie like Ant Man, that didn't have to be a, a special effects crazy movie. You know, you you could get away with with some lower level special effects in that as compared to say Doctor Strange, where I think you need a little bit more in a special effects budget or Thor. Uh, Black Panther, I would think you could probably get away with a slightly lower budget, but I don't think they did. I think they, they still went blockbuster money on it. Now we'll see how it does uh, in, right. two, in, a lot you know, when it opens up. To show uh, Wakanda. So, but we got three movies coming out this year. Well, we have we Black, Black, Black Panther, Panther and uh, The Avengers, obviously. Infinity, and then we have uh, July, we have oh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Right. Now that one, see, like I said, it seems to me oh, like wait, I, don't, I don't see why you can't do that on a slightly lower budget. Why? Why does that have to be, you know, a two hundred million, three hundred million dollar movie? Mm. I'm not sure what the budget. Well, you know, there are two others. Supposedly in October there's a Venom movie, Ugh. which may may don't know if that'll have any ties to Spider-Man: Homecoming. It says, and then uh, I guess there's at in next December Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I think it's an animated movie. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure that's animated. animated. And well, then I'm I didn't, curious, I didn't realize the, that Jessica Jones season two was coming out in uh, March eighth, so it's coming out in a, like a month. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that either. Well, the, the Venom thing, I, I'm kind of confused on that. I mean, what universe is that supposed to be taking place? It might be in its what own. continuity? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I think that's back to 20th century, not 20th century. Uh, Sony, uh, 
you know, independent of the Marvel productions. Because they didn't, they never gave up the rights to Spider Man. They just kind of lent him to Marvel. Right. Tom Hardy is going to be Venom. So, is it Venom without Spider Man? Because that's that's what I suspect. That would seem really weird. I think that's what they're doing. Wow. Did we not learn anything from Catwoman? You know, or Steel? Yeah. And Carnage is supposed to be the Venom, the the villain. I know nothing about that movie beyond what we've just said, and I do not have high hopes. Yeah. Because he's got high hopes. <laughs> he's got high hopes. Just what makes that little hope. old podcaster think. <laughs> Let's get back to the show we're here to do. Back to Avenger Spotlight. Whoops, there goes another Madonna quest. Whoops, there goes a <laughs> Celestial Madonna all right, so yeah, let's focus back on some uh, oh, Celestial Madonna. We have two issues left to go to finish the proper Celestial Madonna saga. And as we've discussed, we will move on to the Kang Old West storyline. But that, although there does feel like there's a line going through, it's not the same story and it'll be new and different. Well, different. It's, yes, different. So let's wrap up this one uh, with the as you said, Bill. We're up to the penultimate issue, which is Avengers number one thirty-five. Do you have the synopsis? Yes. yes, I do, and it is uh, my book that I use all the time, the official index of the Avengers. And this came out in May nineteen seventy-five. Our cover is a uh, done by two different artists. At least my information says so. It said it had Jim Starlin and John Romita doing the pencils. Yeah, the, uh, the co-pencils co- and the inks were also by Ramita. Al, Mil- Al Milgram also did the inks. The as uh, well. the main part of it with the uh, the Vision and Ultron looks to be Jim Starlin. The three heads look to be Ramita. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still a good cover though. Oh, I like yeah. it. Oh yeah, that's the best part of the book. How do machines get muscles though? <laughs> I can see the Vision because he's a synthetic human. They work you know. out. <laughs> they work out. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Ultra, Ultron went from, Ultron went from being you know a, a vacuum cleaner to a humanoid to Arnold. <laughs> yeah, give me arms. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, it was Ultron Five who created you, Android, and now Ultron Five will destroy you. Yeah, I always fall back on Arnold for everything because Arnold just goes with everything. Arnold, the well, peanut butter. Ar- Arnold, you know, Arnold's acting acting abilities stretch very far and wide. He could, you know, he, he's got. <laughs> Great ability to portray almost any character. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I guess we should describe the cover real, real quickly here. So um, it, it looks to me like if Ultron pushes the vision forward a little bit, he won't be able to have any little baby visions <laughs> with that pointy thing. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Oof, oof. Yeah. He's got him in like some. He's got him in a chokehold, like a wrestling move. And then we have the disembodied heads of Thor, Mantis, and Iron Man looking Yo, over. Jack. Guilty. Guilty. <laughs> exactly. Just like that. Uh, and in the background, it's like you, it's it's like the wreckage of a lab or a, a basement somewhere. Crawling and yeah, from the wreckage. Yep. So, our story is the torch is passed. Mantis's uh, antennae or hair or whatever it is, we never did decide what that's supposed to be. It needs some uh, Viagra because they're drooping big time on the cover right there. Well, they, they s- they'd be, well, you know what? Think about it. If they had them, they'd be in front of Thor's face. So they probably had to, they had to angle them down so they wouldn't have a line going across Thor's face. 
But it would have been funny if they did. <laughs> my aunt's blonde, get your hair out of my face, woman. <laughs> Steve Englehart is our writer. George Tuska is our pencils. Everybody's yeah. favorite. Everybody loves Tuska. <laughs> well, Luke, Luke loves Tuska. Frank Cheramante is our inker. Mm. And John Costanza is a letterist. And George Russos is the colorist. Lynn Weenie is the editor. So, I guess like last time, I'm going to read through the flashbacks, then do the synopsis, then we'll chew up the book. So on our first flashback in the book, Goliath completes Ultron 1, which turns on him, then erases his memory of the encounter with its hypno-beam. Ultron 1 then escapes, rebuilds itself as Ultron 5. But where happened to Ultron 2, 3, and 4? Then finds the mad thinker and demands the thinker give him an android. To avoid a fight, the thinker directs Ultron to one of his labs, which contains the original android Human Torch, as well as the... What? Oh, yeah. As well as the Torch's inert form, Ultron discovers Quasimodo. (laughs) to whom he recounts his origins, but nobody cared. After explaining his origins, Ultron steals the Human Torch, Torch's inert inert form, just before the Silver Surfer arrives to rescue Quasimodo. Aww. Thanos blasts the... uh, This is the next flashback. Thanos blasts the Douglas car off the road, destroying it. Heather Douglas survives and is brought to Saturn's moon, Titan, by the Eternal Mentor, where she is placed in the Shalom, Shalom, really, monastery. Shalom. She eventually takes the name of Moondragon. Moondragon leaves the Shalom monastery for Earth. Frustrated at his lack of success modifying... Oh, we skipped again. Frustrating his lack of success modifying the human torch's form, Ultron kidnaps the torch's creator, Phineas Horton, and forces him to alter the torch. Horton transforms the torch's body into the vision, but when Ultron activates the synthesoid, he finds it still has the torch's mind. Ultron murders Horton and overpowers the vision, and then Ultron deactivates Aww. vision. And I was hoping he'd hear a mind. who before he got murdered. What? No, oh, sorry. Overrides his mind with Wonder Man's brain engrams. Yeah, that'll never bite you in the ass later. All right, now to the synopsis of the book. Using the synchro staff, Vision witnesses his own creation by Ultron 5. At, at the Vietnamese Temple Garden, the other Avengers, Mantis and Libra, are told by the green glowing swordsman that today we'll see the coming of the Celestial Madonna. But before they can learn more, Moondragon arrives in response to the team's summons of Captain Marvel, or Marvel. At Swordsman's request, she recounts her origin, which we have just heard in the flashbacks. As she finishes her tale, the Avengers witness the unexpected arrival of Amortis, who brings with him a mysterious box. Anybody? Come on. What's in the box? (laughs) Meanwhile, Jarvis hears sinister (laughs) laughter coming from a room in Avengers Mansion. (laughs) But when he forces the door, he finds it empty. And elsewhere, the Vision continues his temporal journey through his origins. (laughs) Oh, sorry. All right, let's dissect this puppy. Oh, God. What a a jar from the cover to the first page. Yeah, really? Ooh. Torch looks very uncomfortable on that bit. 
Oh, my back. Holy. Oh. What's what's up with the little the little uh, tidy readies he's got going on? Where's his costume? Hey. <laughs> tidy readies. My costume. Like he's got a, he's got a boxer brief on. It's not a tidy whitey. Uh, it doesn't look like a boxer brief to me. Looks like a speedo. Wow, well, that's not a speedo. They it's not a banana get him hammock. A, they couldn't get him a pillow. Seriously, that's what I'm saying. That's look, and he's under a sun lamp. <laughs> it's a French fry lamp. So hot. <laughs> it's to, it's to, to induce hair growth. Because <laughs> apparently McDonald's fries will induce hair growth. Yeah, so so the, the splash page by George Tuska, and I am going to be very critical of Mr. Tuska in this issue, which uh, the most recent book we've had, we had with Tuska was when Luke and I did Champions number four, and I was actually kind of happy with that. This has ended that happiness. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, Who I was mean, the inker on that? On that one, the inker of all people, yeah. Vinnie Coletta. Wow. And it was it was surprisingly good. I enjoyed the artwork in that one, you know, as much as I could say I've ever enjoyed Tusca artwork. Uh, this one, you know, not so much. So the Ultron bursts into the Mad Thinker's lab with a carump. Carump. <laughs> Which actually, that is a holdover from last issue because that was the same sound effect that he used when they showed him that happened at the end of the last issue was carump. Was it? Yeah, I, I remember that. I didn't get a carump out of you. I didn't get a carump out of you. Doesn't the visual look like he's gonna lead like a like like a band with that little baton, yeah. Baton like seventy six Ultrons led the way. They were followed by Oh sorry. So they, they did one of the things that to me that's a cardinal sin is uh Right at the bottom of the page. Despite what it says below, it's 1967 once more. So I hate when they date the stuff, you know, so exactly because, you know, now that we're, uh, oh, yeah. 50 years from then, <laughs> it just doesn't seem right oh, anymore. Oh, so geez. it would just seem so much better if they hadn't given it a date. So. He's knocking on the door. Oh, sorry. Some of us here have already passed 50 or about to. Oh. Yep. <laughs> so he he bursts in and he's looking around and he finds uh, the torch laying there, but then hears the voice of Quasimodo, the pathetic living computer. <laughs> wait, 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 wait! Back up though. Before he, yeah, okay, look at the one before. Is he like poking the torch in the head? Hey, hey! <laughs> well, well, look at look at the look at the look at the panel before that one. Look at his like legs. Look at the way he's drawn. Oh, I gotta go find him. Get to find my, you know. Gotta find my 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 android. Yeah, that's the that's that that's how I would verbally make his sound his walk sound. If you can kind of, yeah. you know how you know what I wouldn't do? I wouldn't have what? him have James Spader's voice. <laughs> I don't know what voice I'd give him, but it would not be. Yeah, James I didn't Spader. really like James Spader's voices. <clears throat> I liked in, that movie. Movie. <clears throat> I just didn't like. I didn't care for that choice. Well, who should it have been? I'm not sure. I think it should have been a more metallic voice. I don't think it should have sounded quite as human as it did. Like the way they used to make Doom sound in the cartoons? Yeah, maybe. Like in the old FF ones from way back? And then like Spider-Man and his his amazing friends? Like that? Could be. He's a machine. He shouldn't have had a human voice. Well, even look at the way look at the way the word balloons are, are drawn for him. They have those staticky edges, right. which, which is saying to you that he's got a computerized sounding voice. But you know, Quasimodo doesn't have that. No. These are normal. Quasimodo, I would have, much like Modoc, he would have Louis Anderson's voice. Looks like somebody 
somebody like punched uh, Lockjaw in the face and pulled his mustache off and shoved him in a washing machine. He looks like, like a mad boss. Actually, who's the I'm guy? Uh, who's who's the guy who did uh, Ratatouille? Um, mm. He was he was on Agents of Shield. He was the guy who had like all the uh, duplicates. Jimmy Madrix? No, wait, no, that was. Uh, no, I'm talking about the actor, not not the character. Oh, you know, I haven't seen that one yet. It had the duplicates. What do you mean? What am I missing? What have I forgotten? Uh, I gotta look him up. Hold on. Uh, oh, 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 Patton Oswalt. That's it. Oh, okay, yeah. I would have him be, be being the voice of Quasimodo. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Hey, that could maybe work. So, what does he say? Yes, still I am sane. Still I am fit to be Quasimodo, living commuter. When was he ever sane? Please, Quasimodo. <laughs> he he's trapped in there, right? Well, he is yeah, in there. That's in that's him. what he is, though. It's not it's not that he was a uh, you know a free spirit who got stuck in there. He was created in there. Yeah, right. and then doesn't doesn't the surfer? I don't remember who makes that body for the him. surfer does. Really, the surfer could have done a much better job. Why do you make him look like that? Because well, he's Quasimodo. <laughs> Was it like Swamp Thing? Like, oh, I, uh, you know, it creates more of what you are. Well, you're, you're a big lumpy piece of shit. So here you go. <laughs> I'm not. Sure. I don't specifically remember, you know, what why he gave him that kind of body, but that is what the surfer does. So we we you know the two of them, Ultron and Quasimodo, they talk a little bit. Ultron's dismissive of Quasimodo's desire to have human form. And uh, then we go to a. Uh, he starts bragging yeah, about how he got his own form. Yeah. So that we we see Ultron as the uh, the the Univac. <laughs> that, that, it's it's kind of I, I think I think it's kind of dumb. Yeah, he's calling H- Hank Pym Dada. Please. <laughs> and then he yeah. starts trying to to kill him. <laughs> I do. I I kind of like that Hank Pym costume for Goliath. Hmm. And for anybody listening, it was the blue and yellow Goliath costume. I've seen that of late, and I'm not even talking about the era when they actually used it. I'm talking about uh, when they've had flashbacks recently. They've gone to that one kind of often, which I don't know. There was the miniseries uh, about Ultron. I don't even remember what, it, what the series was called, but then uh, Wolverine went back in time and killed Hank Pym the before Age he... Age of Ultron? Yeah, okay, that's what it was. And he went back and killed Hank Pym before he could create Ultron, and that just set the world, like, really made it even worse. The world is on fire! Oh, sorry. And then he had to go back and stop himself from killing Hank Pym. I mean, the story was very convoluted. But I do remember liking some of the artwork with Hank Pym in that costume. (laughs) Sorry, I just... I never noticed that... Okay, when Ultron escapes after he uh, hypnotizes uh, Hank Pym... No wonder poor Hank Pym is a mess. People brainwashing him and all kinds of things, but look at the panel and like in the middle of uh, the page when he's he's building a new version of himself and he's got like a set of blueprints. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you need blueprints for? <laughs> That's what you put in the you would think this point in time when there's Ultron two, three, and four would be ripe for somebody to do some storytelling about what happened during that time span. The, I guess the, you know, the, the uh, attempts and failures to create the body the way he wanted to. You could do it for comedy or you could do it seriously. But you would think it would definitely be 
ripe for uh, storytelling. So, yeah, it says, weeks went by until scarcely six days ago, every machine lay in readiness before me in a mad orgy of transformation. Whoa. I spent a night and day becoming the most perfect example of a robot in all the world. Ultron 5. <laughs> of course, when you do it, you yell out your name. Yeah. But if you look, all right. So the panel before that, you've got the first Ultron. Then you've got like one, two, three, four, five, six versions. See how they show like the transformation mm-hmm. thing? Kind of. Seven. Seven. If you go well, from one. one one at the bottom to the one at the top Two. and you count the yeah. shoulder lines, Five, it's six, seven. seven. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So not only is he imperfect because he can be destroyed, but he can't count. <laughs> got to put that circuit in. Well, he, also, this Ultron is Five kind of has a big butt. This is <laughs> yes, he does. I can't this is see my butt. 1967. So is being the most perfect example of a robot in all the world really that big of an achievement? <laughs> Yeah. He's the equivalent of a Tandy uh, computer from Raiders. <laughs> right. Congratulations, you're better than a Trash 80. <laughs> Soon I will be a Vic-20. A Commodore 64. <laughs> After that, the world. As soon as I put in this five and a half inch disc. With three megabytes of operating RAM. Wait, I can plug in the expansion cartridge. <laughs> now, I can, now I can remember 20 phone numbers. So, so from there, Ultron goes to the uh, hideout of the Mad Thinker and uh, Thinker. threatens Thinker. threatens him until he uh, gives him a body to use, and he sends him over to where the Human Torch, the Human Torch's uh, lifeless body is waiting. And th- and then and then Do in the bottom picture, the mad... he definitely stink he's... eye he gives him. He definitely thinks like he's it looks like he's giving a harumph there. He's got the stink eye. Stupid computer. Do you but think he also he's the gave mad, directions. Do you think he's the mad thinker because Great Clips ripped him off really badly? I mean, look at that shitty haircut. <laughs> that and the glasses. Why is there not a mad stinker either? That, that and the glasses he got from, like, Vision Works or something. <laughs> those look like those ones where they test your eyes before they give you glasses. <laughs> yeah. Does, does it look better with this or with this? Camera one, this camera or this? Two. One, camera two. <laughs> this, this. I can't tell the difference. But oh well, those were hypno lenses, <laughs> right? Ah, nice try. But my hypno lenses remember <laughs> because he tried to hypnotize and beam, and it didn't work. So and he calculates <laughs> that you will spring upon me in three point eight seconds. I find that I must offer you something. Oh my God! Too late. I talked too long, and you sprung on me. <laughs> Would you accept an old love- android? Mm, <laughs> yes. <laughs> what? It's like, yeah, I'll settle. I'll settle for your hand-me-downs. <laughs> I just love that panel at the top with him trucking through the alley. That's just, that's just tell me I have a fat he, ass. He looks he actually he looks like he's kind of light on his feet there. He's not even touching the ground, baby. <laughs> I was so happy. <laughs> so what? He just, you know. So ultimately, so so he... plan was the acquisition of an ant. You you have a plan and you just name it murder plan. diligently relentlessly i searched the city from its slums to its skyscrapers really why didn't you just like go to the ff or something why didn't you you know i'm gonna look everywhere what a boob so then the uh ultron confronts quasimodo (laughs) again and, and dismisses him again 
taking the prone human torch's body with him and seconds after he leaves the silver surfer comes in <laughs> and that's the story told in ff special number five and that was a, just a that was a backup story if memory serves me correct i think the main story in that issue was ff against psycho man mm. anthony perkins <laughs> yes so then we cut to current day uh, Vietnam, Vietnam, where where the Kawadi swordsman's going. Hey guys! Yeah, it looks like it looks like he's welcoming them them to the uh, uh, like a theme park. Yeah, it's like Doctor Nick. Come to Kawadi Land. <laughs> he looks like Doctor Nick. I, I realized, Hi everybody. The, I realized why this has always bugged me so much because. Granted, this is a Marvel comic, but this is DC comic language for I've been irradiated with kryptonite. <laughs> so that, I think that's why this has always bugged me and, and why I've always thought he looked really silly. You know what I mean? Mm. If he's supposed to be a ghost, why isn't he just like transparent no, green? He's, he's not a ghost. He's a plant. But why is he? Why is he got the high pro glow? Because they well because I'm the Kotate whatever infused itself. I think we did that last time, didn't we? <laughs> yes, we did. It never gets old. I live in a Shaolin temple. <laughs> so no, because his body's been I don't know. Maybe the Kotate grew into him. Ew. That's kind of gross. I guess they buried him in the Kotati Garden, right? <laughs> in a Kotati Garden. In you the say shade. Kotati, I say Kotato, whatever. I'd like to be under a tree. Let's in a call Kotati this whole story off. <laughs> How stupid. Uh, <laughs> we could laugh with the slash Madonna. Boom, boom, until Ken comes along and takes her. Doom, 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 doom. Like, okay, back to this. So now, so now, at this point, what is he as far as the swordsman? Is he just animating the body, but has but has none thinking. of his personality in him, or is it somehow some sort of a mutation of the swordsman into a Kotati? Are you sure he's not a ghost? He's not a ghost. He's not a tumor. I thought he was. I thought he was just like a like a spirit. So he's, he's no, because he's he physically to go there. Have sex with him. <sighs> Remember? Remember. <laughs> I don't want to remember this story. <laughs> I've worked hard to forget. So then, very quickly, Moondragon arrives. They're being followed by a Moondragon. Moondragon, Moondragon. Moondragon, <laughs> Moondragon. Moon I was purposely, I always do that, so I was purposely not doing it, because I <laughs> think I beat that joke into the ground, but luckily you picked up the... Uh, the psycho staff or whatever the, that staff for me on that. You picked up the baton. Thanks, Paul. She's leaping and hopping on a moon dragon. Moon dragon, moon dragon. And if she ever loses her, her hair... Her what's her actual name? Heather, Heather Douglas. Douglas. Heather, that's it. She's no, Drax the Destroyer's daughter. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. I was trying to come up with something for Puff the ma- Magic Dragon, but uh, I can't make it work. Keep Drax going. the Destroyer drove on a road... And long came Thanos <laughs> and blew off his nose. Oh. <laughs> That's stupid. It's about as good as somebody turning into a plant. So she says, I came in answer to your 
to your summons of Captain Marvel, though I know not why precisely. I came in through the temple window. Why does nobody point out the fact that, okay, I'm here in answer to your summons of Captain Marvel. Why does nobody go, um, you're not Captain Marvel? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's been busy. So then we go to a big splash page of Thanos, which just really reeks of bad. Uh, mm. As far as splash pages go, that's a bad one. I do like that the footnote, though, is where you can basically follow the saga of Thanos up to this point. Because I just read all these not you know relatively recently because I never knew that you know this saga actually went through Daredevil of all places and that was some really wacky stuff. Oh, that was yeah, <laughs> that was definitely some mm. strange stuff. Well, that was when Steve Gerber had his hands in there. What's What's funny to me to think is that you know unless this movie, you know the Infinity War movie does something really bad, which I don't expect. I expect this movie is going to do gangbusters. I really do. So all of these early Thanos appearances that are already commanding pretty decent money, they're just going to skyrocket through the roof. And that amuses me no end because most of these early Thanos stories kind of suck. It wasn't really until his, you know, when he really got, uh, you know, into Captain Marvel and, and really to my mind, it was, it was when he was fighting like the Avengers, it was that, that crossover it was like an avengers annual and then it was like a what was it like a two-in-one annual i think mm-hmm. yeah those those are really to, to at least to my mind where thanos kind of stepped up to that the level that he's considered at now but a lot of these early ones as i have been rereading them they're not very good it's, I, I it's think... like he wasn't a fully formed character. He was, he, he was well, but then again, early Darkseid was kind of like that, too. I think it was really a matter of, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Jim, Jim Starlin, uh, like kind of spreading his wings a little bit. Like, you know, right. he, he started out, he had to kind of earn their trust. So right. he had to stay a little bit more in the house style of writing than what he wanted to do. And then... Eventually, he got a hold of uh, Warlock, and that right. gave him a lot of style, stylistic freedom, I think. And you really saw like the kind of story he wanted to tell with that whole Mages saga that he went into, which I thought was very cool. And, right. then, and then after that was when he did the, uh, the Thanos story that you're talking about in the two annuals. So the Captain right. Marvel stuff I thought was good, but it just, you know, it was a little bit more subdued than I think he would have liked it to be. Right. So, you know, it's just a matter of the development of the of the uh of the writer, I think. But anyway, I, I back to this particular issue. I, I really don't care for this image. I think it's pretty poorly drawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and Matthew's sticking his nose in here and saying he agrees. <laughs> Thank you. Get your own podcast. <laughs> Meddling kids. I would have gotten away with it, too. It just shows you, though, like when you get Kirby drawing a shot like this, or if you get Jim Starlin or George Perez drawing a st- shot like this, it's so much more spectacular. It's like you tell you so much more in that space scape or whatever. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's what I'm exactly what I'm thinking about. This, you know, George Tuska. You know, yeah, we're going to draw it out in space. Okay, I'll draw a couple of circles. (laughs) You know, it's like (laughs) you know, and and I'll I'll make a cloud of dust behind the spaceship. (laughs) Thanks, 
Where, where do you get such an imagination, Tuska? Oh, the next page is even... Uh, yeah. Alright, yeah, if we're on the next page, I want to know that third panel... What is going on with Mint? Yeah, Mint, he's like a right? wispy because if yeah, you look at the looks bottom, like he's coming out of a magic lamp or something. What like the, the hell is that? Like at the fifth one, he's he's traveling. He's carrying her through through. Look, he's carrying her through space. You see him? I actually like don't know what Mentor's power set is. Well, I, I know think he, he can fly and carry somebody in space. I don't know. He's the father of Thanos and Eros. I would think he'd have some sort of powers. Yeah, but he's just a he's just the he's just an Eternal. Based on that fourth panel, I'm going to say his power is to stare at me from inside the comic book and make me very uncomfortable. That's his power. Well, yeah, he's going to come down and just got crazy. You know, eyes, you know, seriously, are you, are you comfortable leaving a preteen girl with him? <laughs> Not particularly. And raising no. her on another planet. Well, technically a moon. Because he takes her to Titan. Isn't that where Saturn Girl is from? Titan? Yeah. I would have thought she was from Saturn. Yeah, but maybe I she lived on the moon. So. Why don't they call her Titan Girl then? Because it's a moon. I didn't Saturn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. So, so she, she was, was, you know. Since I believed him an angel, however, I begged him to take me to heaven. Yeah, I think she's like she's in shock, and uh, some guy's just gonna come and whisk me off to the moon and shave my head. I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm taking it as he has some sort of like teleportation powers, and in that third panel, he's. You know, materializing there, and then he takes her and kind of teleports her somehow to that moon, and that's what that fifth panel is. You know, just 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 hold that thought. Emma Ardine is from the moon of Titan, so she is misnomered as Saturn Girl because she actually should be Titan Girl. Yes, real name is Lars. What are his is his power set? His power set. Lars. A Lars. Uh, A. Like, like A A period Lars? Is he related yeah. to Uncle Ben? No, it's A whatever uh whatever uh God, I'm losing it. The little thing, not the quotation but the single one. Man, I am just missing my apostrophe. Oh, apostrophe? Thank you. Yes. A apostrophe L A R S. A Lars. Oh Lars. A Lars. <laughs> His brother is A hole. <laughs> <laughs> okay. These are his. This is his power set: invulnerability. Uh, mentor's life is augmented by cosmic energy, making him virtually immortal, immune to disease and debilitating effects of aging, and also generate to regenerate injured or missing organic tissue. Only an injury. Okay. Flight, like all Eternals, Mentor can levitate by mentally manipulating gravitons. No, not the villain. Some atomic particles that carry the force of gravitation around. He can fly at approximately 500 miles per hour, a rate of speed slightly below average for his kind. And then <laughs> He's the other a thing is, <laughs> where are you going? You're only going 500 Earth miles to an Titan hour. Going only 500 <laughs> miles an hour? You know what? Why, why don't while I continue reading this, why don't you read how, how long the distance is from Earth to Titan and see how long it took him? Jesus Cosmic Christ. energy manipulation, like many a turtle's mentor, can project his body. His body's natural cosmic energies is waves of concussive force. These waves, which he usually directs from his hands, have a maximum concussive force equivalent to 50 tons of TNT, sufficient to level a 12-story steel frame building. And his other abilities are super genius intelligence. <laughs> he, got, yeah. he got his flying ability from, from Acme. Earth 
the Titan is 1.4 billion kilometers. Oh, jeez. It's going to take a while at 500 miles an hour. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? (laughs) Are you going to get before he got there? Can we pull over? I really got to feed And it doesn't say anywhere that he can project a uh, bubble around him to keep her alive. So if he's going at 500 miles per hour, she's like, I can't breathe before she even gets out of the atmosphere. All I know about mentors, I liked him a hell of a, a lot better when he wore the safari jacket and traveled in a Winnebago with oh, Billy Bats. And he wasn't uh, staring at you evilly. Apparently he just died in 2017, the character. Really? That was volume two, number two. What? what? Didn't know you could die of lameness. What issue I was that? Sick. Uh, Thanos number two, volume two number two. Uh, I missed the I missed the services. <laughs> so so we go, we go back now. It says Mantis says, but that that is many respects identical to the tale of this one's earliest days, at least as related by Libra. And then the swordsman Kawati guy, who's not all green for some reason in this panel. Says, His face. Perhaps that yeah. is because she was needed. I don't really understand what they're getting at there. So, mm. so we cut to we cut back to Ultron, who's working on uh, the Human Torch's body, and he's not able to revive him. And he says, "Neutrons, still he will not rise." Is that like a robot curse? <laughs> to say neutrons. I, I, no, never mind. I was gonna say, look where Ul- Ultron's head is. I mean, <laughs> sorry. Um, and then he says, Neutron, still he says, Neutron, still he will not rise. While his head's immediately over his crotch. And it says, the thinker neglected to inform me that the torch had burned himself out and dying. Whoops. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I have not the understanding to remold plastisoid flesh. All right, this is getting kind of way too dirty. I don't know, you know, maybe I'm just thinking. Uh, nah, well, this, this is where Ultron, moving on from that, this is where Ultron thinks if he gets uh, Phineas J. Whoopi to help out, he can, uh, <laughs> he, Let's he go can revive 3D him. BB. Let's go see Mr. Whoopi. So at this point, at this point, uh, <laughs> Professor Horton is is running a uh, little fix-it shop. <laughs> now this guy I like. I do like, I do like Phineas Horton. There have been some good stories that have that have come out of this whole thing with him that I that I've really liked. Phineas Horton, I own a mansion and a yacht. <laughs> he's got a little little. He's like, on the skids here. Yeah, he's got a little thirteen-inch TV set behind him. You know the way oh, and he's he's watching the Avengers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's there's a little the way he's depicted in this issue, especially in that first panel and the and I'm sorry, the third panel and the fifth panel. Do you remember the little editory owls that they used to have on the mm-hmm. front oh, cover of Marvel? Yeah, of Marvel fanfare. That's what it reminds me of. Except he's got more hair than the editory owl. Right. <laughs> so Ultron carries him off and brings him to the Human Torch and tells him he has to assist to bring him to to life, bring him back to life where he will be mine for all eternity. And that panel. That looks that looks less George Tuska and more Frank Robbins there. Yeah, very much so. Well, when he recounts his, uh, um, oh, yeah. Well, wasn't Cheramonte inking Robbins on uh, Invaders right around this time? Possibly. I'm not sure who was inking him, but that that's very possible. 
You think Horton's got uh, Richard Daystrom syndrome? <laughs> I'm great. You're great. I'm great. You're great. I created him working on my work. My work. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I just watched that again recently. It's fresh in my mind. He's crazy. <laughs> not unlike the synapses of the brain. I love that. Not unlike. I use that so many times, and people are like, what? <laughs> what? Means like. What? I really, I really like the line that uh, Ultron gives here, where uh, silence and smacks him. <laughs> well, yeah. There's just after that. I get said, to work. Now get to work, my decadent Geppetto. Get to work and give me a Pinocchio. <laughs> What a dick. I think that's. You a... know, I could hear James Spader saying that. I, I mean. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true because he used uh, he used the song from Pinocchio. Yeah. I wonder oh, if that's a reference yeah. to this. I hadn't mm. even thought about that till now. Interesting. I'm, I'm going to say I, I doubt it. that a little. I think it's just a mm. happy you... coincidence. Like Bob Ross. Some happy trees. We could have put Bob Ross in the voice of Ultron. <laughs> I could have gone for that. Decking at Geppetto. <laughs> Get to work and give me a Pinocchio. See, Let I, me tell you about my evil plan. I mean, when, when you think about it, why would he revamp him to look so, so different? What's the purpose of that? That's purely cosmetic. Why would you do that? Well, well, I mean... <laughs> Go ahead. I was just, no, I mean, well, because Ultron does tell him to make his face scarlet. Uh, why? Still, I do desire that his new face be scarlet. Uh, for though he will remain ignorant, I shall be reminded of his. I shall be reminded of his past every time I look. And it was uh, ignorant. I don't know. So, it's, <laughs> so it's going to the fact that he has a red face will remind him, him of the Human Torch. Mm. Yeah, whatever. I guess that's well. That's what he says. Uh, he's gas. Reminded of his past every time I look upon his flame. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. The problem is, is there's a whole lot of whatever in this story. There's a whole lot of instances where I'm just like, yeah, all right, whatever. I'll just go along with it. Uh, by the way, I do not find invaders in Frank Chiarbonte's, uh resume here, so I was wrong on that. Right around the same time, he was working on things like uh, Man-Thing and Vampire Tales and Planet of the Apes and Unknown Worlds of Science Fiction. So he was doing a lot of like horror and sci-fi stuff. Mm -hmm. well, I... I from looking at this book, I think his style would fit that style of book well. Oh yeah, yeah. But no, I, I just I thought you made a good call on the uh, on the Frank Robbins because there were several uh, several pages and uh, several panels in this that really did remind me strongly of Robbins, and you know how much I love him. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I have a fondness for Robbins, which is beyond his actual the quality of his work. For some reason, it's it, I guess it's right. mostly nostalgia. Uh, that nostalgia doesn't carry through to Tusca, though. So uh, we cut from that flashback back to the Avengers. And Ultron, uh, not Ultron, Immortus has these 15, 10, 10 and commandments. 10. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> on the tablets of the 10 commandments. And they say, what do you got there? And then, then they, <laughs> when the box opens, what's in the box? Then you will learn, young man. Then we go cut from there to Jarvis, who's hearing the cackling laughter in the... Uh... Wait, that thing he's got in his hand is supposed to be a box? Because it looks like a piece of plexiglass. It's one of the Ten Commandments. <sighs> it's got the other 15, the other five. His drivers look like Jack N uh, uh, N uh, N bleh. Nicholson when he's knocking on the door. <laughs> I see, I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking he looks like that. the Phantom of the Opera. 
<laughs> the Lon Chaney version. The Lon Chaney. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, why is he bringing a thing of tea in there? What's? Oh, he, I guess he's bringing it to uh, Scarlet Witch. Yeah, because it's you know. And and, and then, then when he hears the laughter, he just throws that on the floor. He doesn't even bother putting it down before knocking the door just open. Pulls right through the door. Of course, we don't see the like ten takes where he bounced off the door. <laughs> Edwin Jarvis, man of action. Oh, it says yet to Jarvis's amazement, the heavy door is no longer locked. Yeah, the only the only what? the only thing inside <laughs> it is Lumiere from uh, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> be our guest, be our guest, Jarvis, you're a pest. And back to the uh, Ultron flashback, where he's Professor Horton has revived the Vision, or revived the Human Torch in the body of the Vision, but has not wiped his mind, so. He's <laughs> Horton is like, ha ha, motherfucker. Oh. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Horton looks like a pissed off librarian wearing some of those mustache nose glasses. Is what it looks like. Right he looks, there. looks that a is like uh, what's his name, Rip Taylor, right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> he could be throwing some confetti <laughs> in the air. Days are here again. I fooled you, Ultron. <laughs> so in, instead of attacking Ultron, the Vision just just, just punches the machines. Ah, he's like Frankenstein. Blast you and your human maudlin. Blast you and your maudlin human nostalgia. Your torch is running amok in his confusion. Amok, amok, amok. Is he adamantium at this point? No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> it's like terrified. Oh my god. He's not. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not adamantium a, yet. What's he robot? I, I think it's when he becomes Ultron Six that he goes to adamantium. Oh, okay. So blast, yeah, he blasts the crap out of him. Blasts Horton and kills him. Kills him real good. And he dies in the uh, Human Torch slash. He broke his arms. record player too. Yeah, that's sad. That's yeah, my thing. My hi-fi system. In front of Horton when he's getting blasted right there, doesn't it look iron. like one of those double record things that they they do where they do the scratching in the disco? You know. Yeah, the DJ yeah. Uh, class. Yeah. Uh, DJ Horton. D DJ Phineas. So what message is he giving there on his deathbed where he says, uh, I was not a man for marriage, yet I wanted to. I wanted an issue, creation, some part of me to live on. What's up with that? Son. Well, why didn't he just get married? What the hell? you got to create a freaking thing. <laughs> Could have adopted. Yeah. And then he's dead. It's, Bye-bye. It's all just a pain in the ass. Oh. Well, before that, the, uh, the torch gets a little biblical. Because he's like, has my pseudo-life so offended the Lord that I am damned to die and be reborn till the end of time? And now to be reborn in an unfamiliar form. Oh, I'm so sad. Uh, and he sees Horton. It's kind of cool, though, to see like, the Vision's body coming out and he's like, you know, the Human Torch will have his revenge. So he still, right. you know, he still thinks of himself yeah. as the Human Torch, which is cool. Just I don't know, I just think that's kind of cool. And then him and Ultron face off against each other, and there's a little punchy, punchy run, run, right until uh, Ultron shoots him with his uh, whatever that weapon is. <clears throat> yeah, that it's like a Luger with a giant silencer on it or something. <laughs> right. Right. So, and then he's got he's got a little little electronic remote control in his hands, and on the bottom of it says Wonder Man's brain patterns. <laughs> brain patterns. And and patterns is P A T T E R N apostrophe S, so it belongs to the patterns. It's possessive. What? Yeah, you're right. Good job. Wow. Good job with the lettering there. 
And obviously, uh, Ultron had wireless back then because he's able to just zap it out of that right into um, the Human Torch. So, and then he says, "So this time you shall possess a new personality, a blank slate upon which I may write anything I wish." Thus so it was. He, what? Hmm. No, I was just thinking. So he could, if he was the. I guess I never really thought about this. If he was the Human Torch prior, and he did have emotions. Uh, there's no reason he couldn't now. That's All the true. pathways would still be there. That's true. Just the brain pattern's different. Yeah, there's, there really is no reason why he wouldn't have emotion. And and I think they wrote that he did have emotions, because that's why he fell in love with the Scarlet Witch. Well, and... yes, yeah. But but prior to this, for a long time, you know, he's always been emotionless. But, you know, they, they slowly built on that. But, yeah. Hmm. Now, I never understood why with what went on here, why he eventually betrayed Ultron and became an Avenger. And if you remember, we covered that first issue of the vision. It's like immediate. Like by yeah. the end of that issue, he's already, you know, siding with the Avengers. Now, mm-hmm. I guess you could explain it away saying, you know, that the human torch's ultimate brain, uh, you know, would win out and it would still go towards the same thing, even with Wonder Man's brain patterns. Cause even Wonder Man eventually became heroic too. So, I guess. Right. But it just seems like he, the whole thing is designed for him to be his, uh, you know, his slave doing whatever he says. And meanwhile, he turned on him in like a minute. <laughs> so that says, uh, let's see, suddenly suffers a wrenching jolt. The synchro staff vanishes from his hand, and the swirling <laughs> sounds of time grow silent and leave him drifting and deserted, abandoned in a void with no direction home. This month, Giant Size Avengers 4, The Fate of the Vision... Nine surprise, was it nine surprise? Surprise supervillains. And the moment of the Madonna. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I come to you again. I was just reading uh, Phineas Horton's uh, entry on Wikipedia because I was, something was nagging my brain that he's not really dead here. And I'd forgotten that he was actually the stepfather of Frankie Frank- Ray. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it says here that he was married to her mother. So he, so so he lied he when, he said, marry, when so, he said he wasn't for marriage. Yeah. He lied. That's what happens yeah, when you retcon this stuff. But this, he was still alive not... when Frankie Ray comes along, though. Right. In the FF, right? Now, how did they... I thought so, yeah. How did they eventually hmm. explain away the fact that they ended up bringing back the original Human Torch? Uh... He was see, he was involved in that because I can remember in yeah, West, that's Coast, West Coast Avengers, Avengers. yeah when they yeah. go to the torch's grave I'm pretty sure Horton's there isn't he isn't that when they go to put him back together because the government t- took him right and yeah put them apart and then they yeah. put him back together and, and then Horton they, Horton's John there Burns and he's he says this is not my work or something to that effect he's he's the one you know, that they bring in to consult on, on basically putting him back together, and he says, this this isn't my creation, this is not the torch. So, yeah, it, this is where it got really, really convoluted. And then what's weird is that this entry on Wikipedia does not ever discuss his death. It just says later, um, after the whole West Coast Avengers thing, it just says it, uh, it would later be revealed that this Horton was actually a space phantom. Okay, I'm, there's I'm no a, citation. I'm yeah, on the, so the Marvel Wiki page for the original Human Torch. Right. 
and it says following the defeat and deactivation of the original torch his corpse was split into two chronal duplicates by the time traveler Immortus. The first duplicate was discovered by the criminal genius called the Mad Thinker, one of the world's leading experts on robotics and androids. Using his knowledge of androids, the Thinker restored most of the Torch's original synthetic tissue and nervous system. The Thinker partially restored the androids' memories, but coerced the Torch into battling the Thinker's enemies, the Fantastic Four. Uh, left the thing. The other duplicate was recovered by the robot known as Ultron, who sought to use the torch as a vessel of revenge against his creator Hank, Henry Pym and the superhero group known as the Avengers. The recreation of the Human Torch became known as the Vision, and ultimately became a longtime member of the Avengers. So somehow they're saying he was split into two, which makes no right, sense whatsoever. In, but okay, that happened in Avengers Forever because that was where. Who wrote that? Busick, I think, wrote that. That's yeah. where he was trying to clean up um, vision, you know, Avengers continuity, and he was trying to straighten out, you know, okay, you know, one, you know, depending on where you jump into Avengers history, you had stories that were saying he was, you had stories that were saying he was not, um, you know, the original Human Torch. So I think he was trying to make sense out of all that, and. Yeah, because I can remember that distinctly. Because I I hadn't thought about it in a long time, but then when I was actually reading um, Avengers Forever for the first time and got to that part of the story, it was like, oh yeah, okay, I, re- I remember this. You know, I remember that there there was this this problem, you know, with uh, with Vision's history and everything. That you know, some in some versions he was the Human Torch, and then in John Burns you know vision he or you know in jumbert's story he was not so yeah i don't know i mean i i think it's a it's an awkward compromise but i think it's you know ultimately i think it works all right well it know? allows them to have the original human torch back in the existing world which i think is a plus so okay we'll just accept right. it <laughs> right so although they don't use him very much from what i could see the original Human Torch. Mm-hmm. They were using him because I, I was actually well, reading he, through. Uh, he was he was working with Shields recently. Yeah. yeah, wasn't he in the that the new Invaders that they put out a while ago? Yeah, yeah, but that's done too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was following him for for a time. I'm you know, like reading around his different uh, appearances and all. I had a list at one point, but now I don't know what I've what I've done with it, but. Yeah, I find him and Toro to be interesting characters just because, you know, Marvel doesn't have a whole lot of legacy characters, you know, that carry on from their golden age right into the modern age, but those are a couple of them, and I, I always thought they were kind of kind of cool because I liked him and Toro because I liked how Toro kind of was snuck into modern, modern continuity in the uh, Avengers Invaders uh, maxi a couple years ago. Because at the end of it, there's a little bit of, you know, screwing around to where they were able to, to save him. Because he was he was destined to die. Well, he had, he had died uh, in that Submariner story we covered some time ago. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, that didn't last. Right. So, all right, well, I guess that's it for this penultimate issue then, huh? Yep. If we had Andy here, we'd ask him what we're doing next time. Next time. An all-new episode. 
This is the end. Do, 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 yeah, we, we will be getting to the do, final do. issue of the Celestial Madonna story next time. And there was much rejoicing. Maybe Scott will come back. Come back, Scott. Again. <laughs> you can be mediocre again. Ooh, oh. I said good. <laughs> right, well, okay, you could be good for the first for the first time. <laughs> well, I, you know, despite the the really lousy art in this one. Oh, we didn't rate uh, the book. That's did we? true, we didn't. Whoops. The, the, <laughs> you know, the there's a lot of cool stuff that came out of this story, though. So, you know, I, I liked that it generated a lot of stuff that they could mine for years mm -hmm. out of this. Right, Even so though the issue, it's, you know, the issue itself is meh. So why don't we rate it now? Had this right. story ever been told up to this point? Or this is the first telling of the origin? The, the yeah, no, the, origin. This is the first telling. Because at this point, you know, in this last couple of issues, is the first point that it was revealed that the uh, Vision's body was uh, originally the Human Torches. This was, right. this was a totally new development at this point. So, I'm going to, since I'm gonna, I've said it twice and nobody else did it, I'm going to rate it. Uh, I really like this cover. I think this is pretty good quality. I think it's well drawn by Stalin and Ramita. I think it's uh, kind of a cool image. It does pretty much take place in the story, except for the three floating heads that aren't really involved in this particular aspect of the story. But I think it's pretty cool, and I'm going to say a B-plus on the uh, the cover. The interior artwork, I think, is weak throughout. Uh, I think it tells the story, but that's about it. So I'm going to say a... I'm not going to even go to a D. I'm going to say a C-minus, because it, it does get the job done. It's just there's not really, like, one image that I really think, oh, that's good. So I'm going to say a C-minus, because at least it tells the story okay. And the story itself, I've been enjoying this. I, unlike you two, I've been enjoying the story all along. And as you said, Scott, it gives you a lot of stuff to mine. It, it is taking some uh, some continuity and, and putting it into place with the Golden Age. Uh, I think there's a lot going on here, and I think it's pretty cool. And I'm going to say a B-plus on the story. And I am going to give the book overall a B. Cool. Uh, I'll go next, if you like. Um... <laughs> the cover, eh, I don't know. It, it's okay. It's not my favorite. I'm going to say a C- minus on the cover because I, I think there's a lot of room for improvement on it. Interior art is horrible. Um, I'm going to go a D-, minus, and the only reason I'm not going an F is because I can still follow it, but it is not pretty, and I don't find a single panel in the entire book that I like. There's a lot of wonky anatomy. It's just, it's ugly. I, it's just ugly art. I really don't like it at all, but I'm not a Tusca fan, and I'm not all that crazy about Frank Chiaramonte either. Um, I just, I don't think they're a good combination, and I just don't think it's a visually appealing book. So, yeah, not good. But the redeeming quality of this is the story. You know, despite this being part of the Celestial Madonna saga, I really like events that are told in here. I like that, you know, while the Vision's secret origin is the one that's kind of, you know, front and center, it's on the cover, you know, it's touted on the cover, it's touted on the opening page and everything, you actually get, um, you know, 
origins of, of other characters and other things that are starting to kind of tie the whole saga together. And as I said, you know, this this stuff in here, not just the vision stuff, uh, but other things in here would be mined for years. So, you know, on that level, uh, I rather enjoyed it. So I'll see an A on the story itself because I like the story. I just I just didn't like the art. You know, I, I'm glad that this story would be mined and retold um, in in other ways, you know, by other art teams and, and such, because it is good stuff and, and deserves to be expounded upon. So, um, overall grade, ooh, it's tough because I really like the story and really hate the art. So I don't know. Overall grade, um, I don't know, B minus, I guess. There you go. All right, Bill. Um, actually, I was trying to crop a photo, but uh, I'll see if I can get this done later. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm the front cover. I've got no big beef with it. I I like the. Uh, well, I, I mean, you can tell it's two different art styles. So that's a little. I don't want to say off-putting, but I almost wish Starlin had done the heads on the side too. Maybe I would bump bump it up a little higher. Uh, I th- but I'm still going to give it like a C plus B minus. The interior art. Yeah, you can follow it, but some of it, yeah, just isn't isn't that great. So I'm gonna give that a mm, a C minus. And the story, mm, you know, we're trucking right 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 along. This will be stuff that'll be mined years later, decades later. I'm gonna give the story like a B plus A minus, so I guess we're looking at a C plus B minus book overall for me. All right, so now that's it for Avengers 135. <laughs> and come back with us next time when we take a look at Giant Size Avengers number four. Bye. <laughs> okay. Bye bye everybody. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to two true freaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the two true site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. But, um, <laughs> uh, bah, 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 bah. what was I saying? <laughs>